Let's go to Romans chapter 5. Romans, the fifth chapter. I trust you come hungry for some word today. Romans, the fifth chapter. Let's begin reading here in the sixth verse. Romans chapter 5 and verse 6. It reads, For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Notice that phrase, that, uh, that God demonstrates His own love toward us. All right, everybody ready today? This is uh, a continuation and the completion, I do believe, of this series that we started a number of weeks ago called True Love. Everybody say it. (laughs) Thank you for the drama with that. Uh, True Love. If you're with us now for the first time, uh, my notes tell me that this is part nine, all right? And you can get caught up this afternoon before bedtime. They're all on the website. If you're interested, you can listen for free and get caught up. And it'll be just as if you know everything the rest of us know. Because we know a lot about love now. Right? Maybe. We have been uh, defining love with the intent of enabling each person to recognize what true love is. And also, of course, what is false, what is uh, fleshly or selfish love. Uh, The end result being that we could all live in and abide in that love continually. It's a wonderful place to be. I tell you what, it is the very presence of God. It is the presence of love. And so... In, in, in studying this, again, we're, we've been endeavoring to understand it so that we could, could get in it and live in it. Not visit it, not just talk about it, not know about it, but exist in it all the time. This is the plan, it's the purpose of God, it's the potential of your life and my life to abide in His love. It's not a hotel, it's your house, okay? It's not somewhere you visit, it's somewhere you live. I mean, God is love. And how many know just that very truth shows us that we could never exhaust this subject. You can't exhaust God's love because you can't exhaust Him. There's not an end. He's infinite, right? And so, God being love Himself, we are born of God means we are born of love. So we're love children of a love God, right? It's in our DNA. It's our very nature as Christians to operate on this super high level of love with God towards one another. It's just the very essence. If you could, if you could wrap everything up into one word, what has God done for us? What does He want for us? It's His love. That's who He is. And, uh, and sin, of course, has separated man from the experience of what God's heart is really for him. But this is a wonderful place to be. You think about it. In that place of abiding in His love, there is no fear. There's absolutely no fear in that place. If you ever find yourself afraid, afraid of airplanes or, or, or water or, you know, running out of money or sickness or any, any kind of thing in life, just understand you're not presently abiding in God's love. Because in that place, that just really doesn't exist. All right, and what we want to do is run back, 
get ourselves back in the place of abiding in His love. It's a place that has no fear. It's a place of boldness. It's a place of forgiveness. If you find yourself, and I venture to say you have and you will, maybe find yourself um, upset with other people. But when you find yourself uh, not granting forgiveness to those who seek it, know that you've exited the place of God's love. You've departed from abiding in His love. And you've got to quick get back in that place. In love, we've, we've found out that, that love is, is about truth, even when it's unpopular, even when someone's not asking you for it. Uh, truth is essential. Love is a place of truth. It's a place of strength. Lo- true love is selfless. Uh, true love will at, at times get angry at wrongdoing, angry at unrighteousness. All right, uh, but true love—it's a place of victory. Remember, remember the apostle Paul said, "Love never fails; it never fades out, becomes obsolete, or comes to an end. It is a permanent dwelling place." And so, now that we have uh, a deeper understanding of true love, I think we should focus on keeping ourselves in it at all times, making sure we're not in and out. We're not up one day, down the next, but we, like the Scripture says, we abide in His love. We live there. It's, it, it's, it's a description not only of our God, it's a description of us and our life, our church, our home, whatever you have influence in. It's a place of just uh, this amazing love of God, okay? The thing is about this, it's really good, but it, it can also be depressing, or saddening in this regard. Whenever you walk with God closely and you experience Him in various areas, you will begin to recognize others who are not. You'll recognize what you are enjoying, what you are experiencing. You'll see someone else who says, I'm a Christian. You know they've been a Christian for a long time. They're in, they've been in church as long as you can remember. And yet you see their life and you say, but you're missing something. There's something lacking here. You're not abiding in whatever it is that God has shown you that you are, that you can have in life. And so from that standpoint, it's like, ah, I'm enjoying this, but man, why aren't you? Why aren't you experiencing this? When it comes to the love of God, when you're living in it, it's real clear and it's real easy to recognize when someone else is not. Okay, I'm not suggesting you go around telling everybody, by the way, do you notice how you're afraid right now? You don't live in God's love, do you? Especially if you're married to the person, I don't recommend that. Uh, but, 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 but again, you will recognize that others are not there. But here's what I want us to focus on. It's the person in the mirror. Make sure that you stay in it. Make sure that you abide in His love. Jude chapter, not chapter, but there's only one chapter. Jude verse 21. We're going to have you go there in a minute, but I'll remind you of this verse we read early on. Jude 21 reads, Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Remember that language. Keep yourselves in the love of God. That shows me the potential that I could get out of the love. God's love towards me doesn't stop, but I could get out of the love of God, or or otherwise I wouldn't be told to keep myself in it. And so I want to focus today um, on four points, all right? Four four main 
components to staying in love. All right? Staying in the love of God. The first one is from John chapter 14. Why don't you take a look at that with me? John, the 14th chapter. Praise the Lord. You've been given notes. You've been given uh, or the announcement cards. You can write these things down on them to help you uh, put them into practice. The first one has to do with obeying. Everybody say obeying. Obeying. All right. These are all ing words. These four points. Ing. Or if you're from the south, you would say ing. My friends say from the south they say running. Rock walking. Anyone from the south and know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Pastor Mickey and his mom back there. Guh. Actually, I don't hear him say that too much. But have some. We have some. Yeah, you still do. Oh no, you're cured. You've been in. You've been in the West for a long time, California and Colorado and everything. So yeah. But other friends uh, that. Uh, uh, I always ask them, what's that game? You know, where you hit the little white ball over the net and it's a table. You know what I'm talking about? It's got that little net in the middle. I say, what do you call that? Pinga ponga? <laughs> ing. 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 G. All right. First one is obeying. G. John chapter 14. Notice the, the scripture says here, uh, verse 23. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. So notice what Jesus said here about a person who loves him, or I would say it this way, to this degree, this aspect of it, they are abiding in his love. What, What do they do? They obey him. They do what he says. Everybody okay with this? They... They, they do what, what the Lord says. That is of primary importance. Now, now, someone might wonder, when we talk about abiding or keeping ourselves in the love of God, are we talking about God's love to us? Or are we talking about how we act? How we treat others? And I know I've done this in, the, in times past. I've broken those apart for teaching purposes. And you can definitely do that with scriptures and show love going one direction and then through and in and out. And, and, and that's a valuable way to look at it. But the big picture is this. It's all the same. It, the big picture is this. I'm going to have a very difficult time walking in love towards other people, especially those that don't act nice, those that attack. I'm going to have a difficult time walking in love if I'm not receiving or living in love. Does that make sense? That's why I kind of put this all together. And I don't just say, come on, walk in love. Act right. Treat people this way. Do these things. No. Yes, but not by itself. Receive God's love. Enjoy it. Live in it. Know how much He loves you. Out of that place, forgiveness is much more natural. (laughs) I mean, I realize we still have flesh to deal with. 
okay? But when I'm living in that love, I'm aware of it and conscious of it at all times. It's much more natural for me to express and extend that. Okay, so when we talk about obeying, that if I love God, I will obey Him. You know how to make that real easy? Know how much He loves you. Live and soak in and bask in the very presence of God's love. And then doing what He wants. I mean, how could you not? How could you not want to do what He wants? I mean, He's not some bad guy. He's love. He is Jesus. All right. And so, and so we want to obey Him. That means in everything. That means in everything. Whatever the Lord tells you to do, if you want to abide in this love, you value that. And you say, yes, I'm going to do that. You know, one thing I think some have not recognized is, is that doing what God wants us to do, that type of relationship does not just go one way. This relationship with God is not just about us doing what He tells us to do. That's part of it. That's part of it. I like to ruffle some feathers sometimes and and make people squirm. So I'm going to tell you the other side. All right. Here's another part of this relationship. Is God does what we want. See how quiet it is? I know people are writing heretic down on their notes and everything else. (laughs) Being a Christian is not just about me doing what God tells me to do. It is, I'm going to say it even stronger now, so hold on. It is about God doing what I tell Him to do. Now, I know know what that sounds like. Sounds like you're making God a genie. Sounds like you're making him your servant or something. It's not like that at all. And when you have a love relationship with him, that kind of language doesn't bother you. It's only when you don't. Then it looks like, well, who do you think you are telling God what to do? I don't mean it like that. I don't say it like that. But what I, I think we've been duped, and I've probably assisted in the duping over the years by my lack of understanding. We've been duped into thinking that being a Christian, having a relationship with God, is almost all one way. All we do is commit to Him, but then every instruction, every desire is all coming from God to us. And we just need to line up with that. I believe that's part of it. I also believe that there are, are other scriptures. It's still quiet in here. You're still struggling with this. Think about it. Remember, like John 15, 7, Jesus said, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask what you will and it'll be done for you. In other words, the Lord set this up so our relationship with Him is not just about Him telling us what to do. It is about, He said, you can ask me and I'll do whatever you want. God, is that right? Listen, if that sounds harsh or like we're not submitting to God or we're not uh, giving Him that place. It is not that at all. I, I like to think about um, marriage. You know, if, you, if I throw out the, the subject of submission, submission and authority, many in our day, ha- they would frown on that language, especially if you throw the word marriage in the same discussion. Because they would say, well, that's putting a, you know, it's putting a woman down, that's you know, being domineering or or anything like that. But the reality is, um, when a couple has 
a proper and healthy understanding and relationship with each other where there is submission and authority, it's not putting anyone or stifling or diminishing a person in any way. It's just the opposite. It's very liberating and freeing and powerful. It's a wonderful thing. But you wouldn't know that if you were just kind of reading it on a page and you you hear about it, you think, oh, that's bad. You're in the relationship, you know, oh no, this is good. And and this is good for the one submitting and the one leading. It really is. It's a wonderful thing. And when you're in a relationship with God, you realize it's a two-way street. That yes, you are completely and fully submitted, obeying Him in all that He says. But you also realize in this love relationship, He cares what you want. He's interested in what you think. And you can talk to Him and say, Lord, I'd like this. I found myself praying for something recently. And I was just spending time with the Lord, just praying, just enjoying God, just talking to Him. And it just seemed interesting how my prayer came out because it wasn't. And Father, I ask you, according to your word, you know, and just doing it real like I know how to do. And, uh, and, but we're just talking. I'm just fellowship with the Lord, worshiping Him. And I said, I said, Father, oh, I need one of these. Thank you. And I kept on, thank you, Lord, you're so good to me, and got it within a few hours. It's like, well, that sounds kind of rude for you to talk to God like that. If you were in the middle of that relationship, you'd know that it wasn't rude. It wasn't me being demanding of God. See, see the relation, God is, has bigger shoulders than most people think. You can't talk to Him like that. I don't know how you can talk to Him, but I can talk to Him however He wants me to talk to Him. That's a personal relationship. All right. I don't know if everyone's on board yet, but I'll keep going. It's very important, though, for me to stay in and live and abide in God's love. What am I going to do? Everything He says to me is so very important. I obey. I am obeying. Obeying. Number two. Now, here's where I want you to go back to the book of Jude. Jude... Right before Revelation, the book of Jude. This is where we've read that verse in times past, and I quoted it a little bit ago about keeping ourselves in the love of God, but I want to get a little context here and go back to verse, beginning in verse 14. All right. Jude, verse 14. Notice it says here, Now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men also, saying... Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of His saints to execute judgment on all to convict all who are ungodly among all, all their ungodly deeds which they have committed in an ungodly way and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against Him. These are grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lusts, and they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. But you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lusts. These are sensual persons who cause divisions, not having the Spirit. All right, so he's given us the description. Now, you know Enoch was the guy who uh, walked with God for 300 years. 
We, we don't have any writings of his other than a little quote like this. Uh, we're, so we know that when he... How many know when you walk with God, he tells you stuff? If you walk closely with the Lord, you will find things out that others who don't walk close to the Lord will never know. They'll never understand. They'll never comprehend. Enoch got revelation all the way to our time about what, what kind of things would happen in these days. And he said, this is what I see. I see these people. And this is the way they are. This is the way they act. They are ungodly. You see that word again and again and again. Ungodly. They're opposite of God. This is how they act. And what he's doing is showing us a contrast here. Now, let me read this passage to you from the Message Bible. All right? The Message reads this way. Enoch, the seventh after Adam, prophesied of them. Look, the master comes with thousands of holy angels to bring judgment against them all, convicting every person of every defiling act of shameless sacrilege, of every dirty word they have spewed of their pious filth. These are the grumpers, the belly achers, grabbing for the biggest piece of the pie, talking big and saying anything they think will get them ahead. But remember, dear friends, that the apostles... Uh, that the apostles of our Master, Jesus Christ, told us this would happen. In the last days, there would be people who don't take these things seriously anymore. They'll treat them like a joke and make a religion out of their own whims and lusts. These are the ones who split churches, thinking only of themselves. There's nothing to them, no sign of the Spirit. Now, now think about that. When you hear all these these adjectives describing this group of people, one thing that you could probably say is they are not abiding in the love of God. Everything they do is self-focused, self-centered, to lift me up. Everybody with me today? All right. And so he's giving this list and saying, this is what Enoch prophesied. This is what he said would happen in the last days. Then he goes on to get to us. Uh, let me find it. Verse 20. He says, but you. Everybody say, but me. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Goes on to say, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Notice the first thing he said in this context of contrasting them, these selfish, div- divisionary people, they, they got sensual persons. He said, but you, the way that you're going to be different from them is you've got to build yourself up praying in the Holy Spirit. That's the, the second point. We got obeying and number two, praying. Obeying and praying, but not just any kind of praying, praying in the Spirit, praying in the Holy Spirit. Now, in our day, there's a whole lot of blending going on. In other words, Many times Christians, they want to be real close to the world. And sometimes it's, you know, well, we want to relate to them. And here's the problem, though. God created us to be separate. That word is used a lot in the Scripture. Sanctified, meaning set apart. There is to be a real definable and distinguishable difference between someone who calls himself a Christian and someone who is just in the world. They should be easily identified. That's a child of God. That's not. Instead of, we look just like them. 
Now, I'm not talking, we, I'm not talking about some type of clothing where all Christians, they wear this. And non, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about something much more deep. Something much, much more uh, real. It is the power and the presence and the love of God. It is character. It is, it is a demonstration of God. All these things set us apart from the world. I'm not interested in making us look as much as possible like the world because then why would someone who was lost on their way to a devil's hell come and say, I need Jesus? When my life looks about that far away from your life. But if there's a real distinguishing difference, then people can say, hey, I'm going to choose life or death, blessing or cursing. You know, I know in this discussion, sometimes people will say, well, you Christians, you just think you're better than everyone else. Well, of course we do. Why would we be a Christian if we thought it wasn't going to change us? I mean, if I was a sinner, if I was apart from God, and I thought, I'm going to give my life to the Lord, and I'm going to be the same, why would I even do that? <laughs> That's the way reason I'm saved, because it's better. And if you do a real quick rundown, you know, life, death, blessing, cursing, cursing, you know, <laughs> light, darkness, yeah, saved is better. You could be better too. I'm not better because of myself, because I'm, you know, naturally more intelligent or... No, no, no. I was a sinner. Needed a Savior. Got one. Better for it. Everybody say it out loud. I'm better than you. <laughs> but you just add, add, because of Jesus. <laughs> Yeah, because he saved me. He changed me. But he did make me better. All right, let me get back to what I was talking about. All right. Praying. Praying in the Holy Spirit. Now, if, uh, if you're not aware of what that means, primarily praying in the Holy Spirit is, is, is the Bible uses this language, it's called speaking in tongues. Or that, 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 word, that means speaking in other languages. Languages that are not learned by you, but are given, imparted to you by the Holy Spirit. Typically not understood by the person speaking. All right. Uh, I know nowadays in, in Christian circles, there are a whole lot of believers. I mean, they're really saved. And they absolutely know zero about this. I think it's really sad. It's such a power source. They know zero about these types of things of God because they're not told. Because, you know, it kind of makes people uncomfortable if you talk about speaking in tongues. Right? But there it is in the Bible, and it's, a, it's a, such a power source for us to walk with God and tap into some things of Him. Uh, you know, it's like uh, Paul went to Ephesus one day, and he found those, those 12 guys there. And remember, he, he asked them, he said, uh, Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Remember what they said? Holy what? They said, Holy Spirit? We didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. And I'm concerned that there are a lot of Christians that are that way today. I mean, they, have, they know about Jesus, and thank God He's the Savior. They don't even know there's a Holy Spirit, let alone experience Him, let alone be filled with Him, let alone speak words that they don't understand, languages from heaven. It's a wonderful thing. And, and the Scripture here says this is all in connection with staying in the love of God, abiding in that place of His love. You know why, that, why that's true? It's because... The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of love. He is God. 
He is the Spirit of love. And when I'm yielding to Him, and He's praying through me, praying out through me the things of God, what's coming out? Love. I am stirring up on the inside the gifts of God. I'm stirring up the love of God in me. So I'm having trouble forgiving. I'm having trouble being nice. I'm having trouble with road rage. I'm, you know, I'm having trouble with my, my, my boss or people I work with. I'm having trouble with this. I'd encourage you to spend some time praying in the Holy Ghost. So I don't know how to do that. We have a class. Our healing team will get you filled after the service here. They don't know that, but they will. <laughs> it's not their primary assignment, but they all can. But we have a class to learn more and you can be filled and you can receive this empowerment from God to stay and abide in the love of God. Amen. So much we could say about that. But how many know you must be filled with God in order to be thrilled with God? If you're filled with the world, you will not love God very much. I didn't say God wouldn't love you very much. I said you won't love God very much. You've got to stay full of Him and He is all all you will want. He will be your very heart's desire when you're full. All right, that's number two. Let's go on a little bit further here today. Number two is praying. Number three is looking. Looking. And when we talk looking, that's right there in the Scripture. He says, keep yourself in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord. Looking for the mercy of our Lord. What are you looking for? Jesus said, whatever you seek, you would... Fine. And what we're looking for in life, where our focus is, is going to determine uh, where we go, what we're aware of, what we're conscious of. And and if we're not looking for the mercy of God, it can be sitting right in front of our face, but we'll never never experience it. I mean, it could be sitting there right there, but you just got to look for it. There it is. Well, that's been there the whole time. Absolutely has. But too many times we're just distracted. You know, have you seen the, the, the lion tamers? You know, a lion can be pretty dangerous. They have, they can take your head off. Lion tamers, you know, they get those those stools and they have their whip and stuff. And they're right there in the same room with a lion, a you know, wild animal that it can easily overpower them. They get those stools with the legs on it. And what I've read about that is 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 that they can't focus on one thing because there's too many points. They got these different points, so they can't. They kind of stay, I don't know, this is my own words, but they kind of stay off balance, so to speak. They can't focus on eating you um, because they've got these different points that they're, that keeps them unfocused and it allows the trainer to stay right there with them and not be in danger. Okay? Uh, likewise, it's true. How many know the enemy is working night and day to distract you? Working night and day. I read an article, just a very small part of an article recently that said multitasking is making us stupid. You know, we've got these, we've got all of our gadgets and things and the phone and the remote and having a conversation while watching a TV program and and we do all these things at once and what we're losing is our ability to focus on one thing. What we're losing is when we go to pray, we're not able to stay there longer than three minutes because we're just all over the place. We're just so distracted and so, uh, you know, bogged down by all this stuff. I tell you, it's a very valuable thing to be able to keep your looking in the right direction where you can look for one thing and look until you see it have you seen God move in your life yet today have you seen how God's grace has provided for you yet today 
How many times have you recognized the work of God in your life today? I bet it's real possible that if we were all to answer, that many of us would go, no, I haven't seen anything yet today. I haven't really noticed God doing anything. Do you think it's also possible that He has, and you just haven't noticed? That He's protected you, He's provided for you, He's helped you, He's he's given you thoughts, He's given you wisdom, you just didn't recognize it. It's been there, but we weren't looking for it. We were looking at something else, and so we didn't see it. This is a key component in keeping ourselves in the love and abiding in the very love of God that we are looking for the right things, looking for the mercy of God. Amen. All right, number four. Everybody ready, number four? Number four is spending. What am I talking about? Not talking about spending money. I'm talking about spending time. Spending time with God is spending time with love. When you spend time with God, you are spending time with love, for God is love. If I'm going to keep myself in the love of God, oh, I tell you what, if I'm going to spend a whole lot of time with love, it's going to be a whole lot easier. You know what the Scripture says, uh, 1 Corinthians 5.33, Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. How many know if all the people that you hang around and spend a lot of time with are evil, ungodly, they're doing a lot of wrong things, that's going to affect you? It's going to have an influence on your life? Well, how about if you spend a whole lot of time with love? What you been doing today? Hanging out? Hanging out with love. Spending time with, with love. What's that going to do to you? It's going to saturate you. It's going to affect you. I, I, I think we should spend enough time with God until it makes a difference so we can see it. You know, I saw recently, I saw a church sign, a sign outside of a church, and it said, um, would you give God one hour of your week? Would you give God one hour of your week? And I understand why they were doing that. They're trying to get people thinking, hey, it's a small commitment, just come to church. And uh, so I understood where they're coming from, and don't throw stones at them for that. But there's another side of me that went, ah. <coughs> Ah, I hate that. Ah, give God one hour. Ah, give God your life. I wanted to go up there and move the letters around. Give God your life. You give God one hour, you're going to fail. You give God one hour and you think that's being a Christian? I mean, 24 times 7, whatever that is, minus 1? All of that's you and the world and all this stuff. And then one hour for God. And we think that's what a Christian is and that's what's going to be successful. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. This is an all-in proposal. He wants to be a part of your life every moment of your life. Every part of your day. That's when this works. That's how you keep yourself in the love of God. Not by, hey, did you go to church this week? Thank God we can spend time with God in church. But... There's a whole lot of just spending time with each other here, too. Amen. And so, keeping ourselves in the love of God is contingent upon us spending time with love. You know, it's like you jump in the pool for a little bit, you know, and swim around for a few minutes and get out, dry off. You can't even hardly tell you've been in the pool. You stay in there for a few hours, your skin's all wrinkly. You know what I'm talking about? Or you've been in the bathtub too long or something like that, and you get out and it's like, ugh, your skin's all messed up. Well, you've been in something long enough for it to affect you. Let me encourage you this way. Get in the presence of God long enough where it'll affect you, where it can be noticed by others, where it's noticed by you. It's like you come out 
so to speak. And wow, I smell like God. I look like God. I think like God. I act like God. His love saturates me. And I just compelled to be nice to people. I'm compelled to forgive and just act like He to act like God acts. Amen? Spend some time with Him. Stand up with me today. I want to take a few moments right now. Let's be doers of the Word. What do you say? You know, maybe there's some obeying that needs to go on. Great. Do it. Maybe there's some uh, praying that needs to go on. Praying in the Spirit. You know, maybe there's some... uh, What? Cooking? Oh, looking. (laughs) Some looking. What are you looking for? Let's get our focus right here, right now. Maybe there's some spending that needs to go on. Spending time. Let's take a few moments right now. Let's spend time with Him. Let's spend time with love and abide in that love of God today. I'll be back in a few minutes.